Hello, everybody. This is Chris Shembra, founder and chief question asker of the 747 Virtual Gratitude Experience. If you want to have more money, create more meaning, meaningful connection and purpose in your life and in the lives of those around you, you got to listen to the Shit You Don't Learn in College podcast with my dear friend and brother, Xander Fryer. How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. All right. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. Today, we've got a close friend of mine, Chris Shembra, on the show. Chris is a best-selling author of Gratitude and Pasta, The Secret Sauce for Human Connection. Forbes ranked his book as number two of 2020 to create human connection. USA Today calls him their gratitude guru, and he's a founding member of Rolling Stone Magazine's Culture Council. He's the founder of 747 Gratitude Experience, an evidence-based framework used to strengthen client and team relationships in profound ways. He's used the principle of gratitude to spark over half a billion relationships around the dinner table, serving Fortune 50 CEOs, Olympians, Academy Award winners, Grammy Award winning number one recording artists, artists, Super Bowl champions, and many more. As a viral marketer, his gratitude campaign, giving tribute and thanks to veterans, earned over 36 million views and 1.2 million shares and two Emmy Awards. Chris has been involved uh, and awarded 14 Tony Awards, seven Emmys, and a Grammy. He's been selected number five on the 10 most motivational speakers that will rock your next event by Market Insider, and he was named Entrepreneur of the Year by Smart Hustle Magazine. His work has been talked about in Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur, USA Today, The New York Times, Variety, and many other publications. You are not going to want to miss this episode. Chris is an amazing, amazing speaker, and you're not going to want to miss what he has to share in it. We're going to dig into the loneliness epidemic that's plaguing America. We're going to talk about the one question that he asks and has used to change half a billion relationships. We're going to talk about the process to processing through negative traumas and the biggest mistakes people make when expressing gratitude. And don't forget, we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. And for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans, don't forget to go to sidlickbook.com, that's S-Y-D-L-I-C, to grab your pre-sale copy of the shit you don't learn in college book. For everybody who signs up for the pre-sale copy of the book, starting August 23rd. We're going to be giving away over $3,000 in free programs and training to each person. So go ahead and go to sidlickbook.com, S-Y-D-L-I-C, book.com, and grab your copy now. I'll see you in there. 
How's it going, everybody? Xander Fryer, CEO and founder of Shit You Don't Learn in College and High Impact Coaching, and I'm your host here for another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. Uh, I'm here with my good friend, Chris Schember. Chris, welcome to the show. Oh, man. We're going to have a lot of FOMO from Ryan Sweeney and so many of our mutual friends for doing this, but I couldn't be more tickled to be here with you right now. I'm I'm excited to dig into this, man. Um, so just to, you know, obviously... Uh, I want people to get a little bit of a background on you because most people don't know you as well as I know you. Um, so why don't we just start with a little bit of background on Chris, uh, yeah. how how uh, you came to be, how 747 Club came to be, and obviously maybe maybe a little bit of how we met as well. Because you and mm -hmm. I, you, you and I both ventured into the entrepreneurial world at almost the exact same time with a with a pretty similar story. So I'd love I'd love for you to start with that. So the story starts on Thursday, April 7th, 2016, in Hollywood, California. I'm sitting there producing a dinner uh, in in uh, West in uh, Hollywood Hills or something, and in walks this handsome devil. At the time, he was a senior sales executive at a great Fortune 100 company. My whole life changed. That was Xander Fryer. <laughs> that's how I got here you always, no. you always were a good storyteller Chris <laughs> you sat next to I, I believe Brad Brad Buzil in commercial real estate you sat diagonally to my right and it was love at first sight no um, what's up everybody my name's Chris I am a uh, I am an, a lonely unfulfilled, disconnected, insecure guy charading around the world as a very confident, successful human being. Wow. I still I still cut, right? I still lash out to the people I love. I forget what my mother's love language is, what my girlfriend's favorite flowers are. But you know what? I'm here. You know, if you looked at my life about six years ago, you would have seen a... A decently successful looking guy just like Xander six years ago. I had a I was in a different career path, traveling around the world producing Broadway plays. Life looked pretty good on paper. Right? I had a decent success. I had nice friends, good family. Okay, that's all you'd want in life, right? No. I was broken. I was lonely, unfulfilled, disconnected, insecure. I had a whole facade. Yeah. In front of me. You know, I realized in 2015 that just because life looks good on paper doesn't mean it feels good in the heart. And that came after I'd just gotten back to New York City. I'm in my backyard in a bubble in New York City. <laughs> it's a glass case of emotion. <laughs> but <clears throat> I just got back from producing a Broadway play in Italy. And when I was over in Italy, my entire life changed. Right, Rome was everything. The way they walked, the way they talked, the way they loved, the way they yearned for history and culture. When I got back to New York City, I realized this ain't it. Yeah. Right? That lonely, unfulfilled, that disconnection had had run me amok one too many times and I didn't want to go back. I mean, I've got in my early twenties, the last time I had felt all those emotions at once led me down a deep dark path of suicide, depression, jail. Rehab, I went away for a long time and I didn't want to go back. So I thought, what was it about Rome that changed my life? Well, it was pasta. Sounds small and simple and silly to say, but 
back home in my kitchen in New York City, we accidentally started playing around with recipes, trying to recreate that emotion. Accidentally created a pasta sauce recipe that was pretty decent to me, but I figured I should probably feed it to people to see if it was good or not. And we just started gathering people. Night after night, week after week, whether it was 20 people in my home or 2,000 people on the road, and that's what led me to Thursday, April 7th, 2016, meeting Xander Fryer, and the rest is history. And that was a good day, man. That, that was, was a good, good day. day. No, but we, we, we fell in love with meaning and connection and purpose and all this kind of stuff around the dinner table, and we finally figured out what we would dedicate the rest of our life to and been blessed to be doing it for about six years and uh, led me to here. Yeah, welcome and welcome to the show. I'm glad that we get to recount this whole, this whole thing. Um, you know, but you know, Chris, you kind of you kind of hit on a lot of things there, right? Like you and I, I, I think one of the things that you and I originally connected on is in a in a quote unquote connected world, right? We're more disconnected than ever. We're more lonely oh. than ever. We're more we're more. Uh, vo- what, frankly, we need more than ever because we don't have what we really need, right? The world the world gives us a lot of material stuff. Amazon will get us anything we seem to want in two days, but we don't get anything that we really need. Right. And I think, I think that's where, you know, the, the birth of, of 747 and, and gratitude and pasta and everything that you're doing now really came from. Like, I'd I'd love for you to dig into that and you know how that came to be. You know what? what? We, we have a whole, sorry, excuse me. We have a whole world full of really soft, entitled people oh right yeah here's here's how entitlement flares up for me either you've been told you're special all your life and you got the effort award and everybody got the award when your soccer team lost and everybody thought you were destined for greatness yeah so you think you're better than others that's entitlement let's look at the other side of the coin people walking around like they th- they think their trauma is somehow larger than your trauma. Their, their trauma was more traumatic than your trauma. And so they deserve special attention. That victim mentality, that's entitlement in itself. Yeah. So we got a whole world full of those kind of people. And when anything goes wrong, they crumble. Yeah. And... What we were able to find out around the dinner table is that we're actually stronger than we give ourselves credit for. We actually have more in common than we have our differences. There's not too many actual unique people on this planet. Why, why do we Why do we think we ha- we're all so different and we're all so on the opposite side of things? Why does that happen? You know, people want to believe when they're told they're special. People want to believe when a social media feeds them a new algorithm and puts them in an echo chamber of information. They yeah. want to be, they want to belong, right? And so belonging yeah. in turn creates disconnection because yeah. if you think that your sense of belonging is better than other people's sense of belonging, you start to judge, take religion. Yeah. I'm I'm of a belief and you're of a belief, and they may, may not be the same. And so we're actually believing in similar things, God, but it's of a different story. 
but it's now, my here, way of believing in God. It's my way of way believing. believing. Yeah. yeah. So what what we found in those early dinners, um, you know, when we first started our dinner table, when we first started our dinners, people would come over with a bottle of wine. We'd work together to create the meal. We'd have some decent pasta sauce. But that's not what kept them coming back. What kept them coming back is that we'd ask the same question every time. Yeah. It's a simple question. If you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, that you've never thought to thank, who would that be? And we saw people well up with guilt, shame, regret, right in the spot. Who have I never thought to thank? And then share some amazing stories. And around that dinner table, we'd see people pull forth one of two things. Either a positive memory from their past, that they got to share proudly with others, or a negative memory from their past that yeah. they got to process through, destigmatize the impact that negative experience has on them, normalize it, make it part of their story, and find things in common with others. So we got yeah. a lot of people in this planet that walk around with ego, thinking that they have to be the self-made man, and thinking their shit doesn't stink. When in reality, your shit stinks like my shit stinks, I've learned from you the way you learn from me, and that type of connection is what will solve a lot of our challenges and divide. Well, and I can, you know, I can kind of attest to that. Like we, we had you come host these dinners at the the first live event that I ever hosted six months after <laughs> I, six months after I quit my job. Oh, man. Um, and we did it, we did a series of these dinners and I, I, I can never, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, um, you know, the power of, of the simplicity really. Right. You know, we had everybody come in and we had, we had CEOs of, of, uh, uh, you know, startups and we had, uh, CMOs of fortune 100 companies. We had top real estate agents. We had, you know, seasoned professionals all come in eating off plastic tables, paperware and plastic forks <laughs> being a part of this dinner. And I remember, I remember we tallied the outcomes from this dinner and it was something like, um, by, by the end of this event, I had had two people name their firstborn kids after me. <laughs> there were there were four relationships that ended up in people being married from yep. this one event. But that was I think there was also like 10 new businesses that were oh, started yeah. or something. Oh yeah. And that was that was all from, you know, four of these dinners. Yeah. And it, and that one simple question. Like yep. why why does that work so well? Why does it take people so deep? You know, Voltaire says that uh one half of wisdom is the question. Yeah. And Sir Francis, uh, sorry, Voltaire says, don't judge a man by his answers. Judge, uh, judge a man by his questions rather than his answers. Sir Francis Bacon says that a prudent question is one half of wisdom. And so we live in a world where everybody's got access to a speaker stand. Everybody's yeah. got access to thinking they got the greatest shit to say. They're the smartest yeah. person in the room, and they're going to go around and people are going to hero worship what they have to say. What that question does is flips that entire script on its head. We call it a posture of otherness. This gratitude question, who have you never thought to thank? It makes you pause, 
Take a step back into your past, which has already happened, so it's an easy place to get to. And you have to acknowledge, you got to think hard about who has given you benefits or something of value. Yeah. And you acknowledge that it's all right not to have the answers. That's humility. See, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. And so in a small group can setting. You, can, you, can, you, can you say that one more time? I don't want that to get missed. That was, hu- that was Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. I love that. And so when we use that question as a positive psychology micro-intervention to literally have you feel guilt, shame, regret, who have I never thought to thank, <gasps> boom, out comes the stories, your whole life changes. Yeah. And then you start seeing the world differently. Here's what happens. So most people, when they think of gratitude, they think of, well, two things. They think of gratitude as something they do in a journal by their bedside table, which is great. But our version of gratitude is when you practice it amongst community. Yeah. The second thing people do is they think of gratitude as this positive, you know, I'm going to give gratitude to something positive in my life. That's all fine and dandy. But the grateful processing or the grateful repraisal of a positive emotion from your past has no evolutionary benefit for your growth. Growth comes from the grateful processing of unpleasant memories because when you talk about that unpleasant memory from your past, a bad boss, a bitch ex-girlfriend, someone that failed you, someone that hurt you, someone that touched you, when you talk about it, with others, you destigmatize the negative, you process the open memory, you make it part of your story, and then Barbara Fredrickson says it broadens and builds your brain's thought action repertoire needed for hope, pride, optimism, self-confidence, self-efficacy. So, so really, if I'm, if I'm getting this correct, everybody who's doing a gratitude journal by their bed that's just saying i'm grateful i'm grateful for my shoes i'm grateful for my health i'm grateful for good you know whatever that's not doing anything cuz that's gratitude for positive things and what you're saying is we really need to find gratitude in the tough stuff the negative experiences that we've been through so there's a difference between momentary happiness yeah and brain rewiring neuroscience yeah I'm not going to sit here and negate momentary happiness. Momentary happiness of, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to say on this podcast, fuck your gratitude journal, but I just did. And I but love you did. saying yeah. it. Good work. <laughs> but here's what I'm going to say. Science shows that when we're trying to process memories, keep this in mind. If you're trying to process a positive memory... You should keep it within your brain and ruminate on it. Let it go chaotic. Practice mindfulness. Keep it in your brain. Think about it during exercise, meditation, whatever. The minute you write about a positive memory, you look at it and you say, no fucking way was I worthy of that positive autobiographical memory. No way! That's not me! And you start to doubt that it occurred. 
You yeah. make it too structured, and it loses the emotional impact. Now, on the flip side, when you're trying to process a negative autobiographical experience, don't let it ruminate. That becomes chaotic, and it takes over your soul. Yeah. Talk it out. Write it down. Destigmatize the negative. So most people use a gratitude journal. Yeah. To do what? Write down a positive. It's the one scientific thing you should not do. Yeah. If you're going to write down a gratitude journal, maybe write down multiple paragraphs about that one person that did you wrong but you met your best friend because that person did you wrong and this is the trace it down. Yeah. So yeah, people are using the gratitude journal wrong. That's, that's super interesting. Cause this is, it's very close to something that we actually teach a lot of our clients. Um, I call it either, I, I call it shitty emotion journaling or fear journaling, but basically yeah. like going and finding the negative and actually getting that out of your head. And we yeah. tell people you either, you're, you journal it out or you speak it into your phone to get it out of you, but very, very similar. And that's yeah. what leads you to the positive. So if you study, I'm a storyteller, right? I'm yeah. an old, I'm an old Broadway guy who's got my name <laughs> attached to some decent shows. I, I know storytelling. Yeah. And in the world of storytelling, they call it the man in the hole. They call it the hero's journey. Yep. Kurt Vonnegut is a great science fiction author from the 1950s and 60s that found in a successful narrative arc, you've got to knock down the protagonist to build him up to be the hero in the end. Yeah. Binghamton University did a study of like 1,600 different moody movies studying the box office numbers of these different narrative arcs. They found that the man in the whole story was the most successful pound-for-pound pound box office numbers of any emotional arc. I'll tell you a story. Thomas Edison. December 10th, 1914. His son walks in as he's having dinner and says, Dad, you got to come quick. You got to come quick. Your factories are burning down. And Thomas giggles. He gets up from dinner. He walks casually through town to where his factories are burning. And six to eight different fire departments are trying to put out this flame. Estimates would show he lost about $900,000 that night. It was about a year's wow. worth of revenue. Wow. And he looks down at his kid, Charles. He says, Charles, go get your mother and all her friends quick. They're never going to see a fire like this again. <laughs> so what could happen in that moment? You either become depressed, angry, blame, crippled with fear, shy away from any other inspired action. But no, him and his team got back to work the very next day. Rebuilding patents rebuilding machines, coming up with new innovative ideas so that that shit didn't happen again. And you know what? He made $10 million that year. 10x what he had yeah. ever made before, and the rest is history. And so the new normal that comes after adversity like that is greater than where you started. Gratitude can help you see that that traumatic moment led, it yeah. felt like shit. 
but it led to something good. And gratitude can help you gratefully process that. Yeah, and this See, is, you know, I, I, always, I always tell people, you know, I, I don't know if I just watched too many Disney movies growing up, but I've always believed in the hero's journey. And you know, that's why even, even, when, even when, you know, starting my business and, you know, times were really tough, you know, I always used to tell people, like, this is going to make a great story one day. Of right? course. This is, this is going to make a great story one day. Of course. But I don't think, I don't think, everybody, I don't think everybody has that belief that I have. Are, are you saying that if they just start to find these negative experiences and find gratitude in it, they'll start to build that belief? They will not only build that belief, but they will rewire their brain. It will yeah. scientifically hit what's needed for creativity, innovation, yeah. empathy. Hope, pride, optimism. It's the tool necessary to build better, longer lasting, loyal, pro-social relationships. Because people don't connect when times are good. They connect yeah. through shared trauma, right? Yeah. This whole thing of like, put a filter, pretend like your life's perfect. That's creating the divide that you talked about at the beginning of this call. It's creating FOMO. It's creating social comparison. It's creating a loneliness epidemic. Yeah. What we share in common is the negative things that we've been through. Everybody's got trauma. It's time to use that trauma as a source of connection. See, there's two sides of trauma. Most of us just focus on trauma leading to stress. Well, post-traumatic stress doesn't occur from the trauma itself. It occurs from our response to the trauma. How, how we react to that trauma. How we react to it. The opposite of post-traumatic stress is post-traumatic growth. Interesting. Inspired action. A renewed vigor. Yeah. There's, there's an unfortunate thing about world's history. Sometimes it takes a big fuck-up moment, a catastrophic, catastrophic event, for things to change. Yeah. Why is that? Because through hardship and hard work, creativity grows and flourishes. It's accepting the, the obstacle, processing it, and then using it as fuel to succeed. I'll tell you a story of this old guy. His name was Marcus Aurelius. Oh, he <laughs> happened to be one of the most powerful men in the world at one point. He was the last of the great emperors of Rome. His reign was from 160 to 181 AD. And he went through a lot of the same things our country faces today. Political divide. Uh, social divide. Political usurpers. Running out of money. Fake news. <laughs> a plague. A yeah. plague like we've never seen before. The Antonine Plague. <laughs> and when he got through all of these things, he sat down and he wrote a book called Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, rooted in Stoic philosophy, on how to use these obstacles as the way. He said the impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. If you're looking for a way to connect with others, communicate your trauma, and you will likely find that they can empathize with it as well. So, I, and I love this, by the way, because I think, you know, this kind of, a lot of this goes back to like at the very beginning of this episode, we were talking about how like, we're all, we're all a little bit broken, 
Yeah, but on, of course. on the outside, we like to pretend our, our shit don't stink. And if you if you're willing to share a little bit of your broken, you oh, you're a little broken too. Like we can be we can be friends. Yeah. So what's the what's the pro like what's the process for starting to share our brokenness? Because you know, I think a lot of people are like, well, do I just come right out and be like, yeah, my, you know, for me, right? Like my best friend killed himself. Hey, like, nice to meet you. My name's Xander. My best friend committed suicide a couple of years ago. Like, how about you? Like, what, how do we go through this process tactfully? <laughs> we like to think of that answer like a three-act play. Yeah. It's how we structure every experience. Whether we're producing a virtual gratitude experience for 45,000 people or we're producing an in-person dinner for 18. The first act is just about coming into the present. Yeah. The second act is about diving into the past. The third act is about looking out of the future. So what you have to do is create a little foreplay. And we always big fan, like... Big fan of foreplay. Big fan of foreplay. <laughs> Matty! <laughs> um, <laughs> so <laughs> we... Um, prove it. She's like, prove it! No. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> fuck. Anyways, <laughs> the first act should always be about coming into the present. My friend Kat Cole, she was the president and COO of Focus Brands, multi-billion dollar company. She's got tens of thousands of employees. Her new book is called Checking In. Sometimes all we have to do is create the space for a few minutes to ask your partner, to ask someone, what's one word that honestly describes how you feel right now in the moment? And then be radically curious. Yeah. yeah. Be radically curious. Ask them deep follow-up open-ended questions, and they'll likely come up with like, I'm stressed, I'm tired, I'm nervous, I'm anxious, I'm fearful about the future. Holy shit. Me too. Yeah. I mean, the future of the world has never looked so unpredictable. Weird. <laughs> Weird. So that's oftentimes a good start. The second start we like to bring people to, uh, the second part that we like to bring people to, is that gratitude question. If you could give credit or thanks to one person in life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, who would that be? If you're watching this, take a piece of paper and write down 10 people's names that you've never thought to thank. And then write a paragraph about each one of them, whether they hurt you or they helped you, they loved you or they loathed you. And then write down five to seven values that each one of them stood for. Then you can find commonalities. Oh my God, I didn't realize that I surrounded myself with so many people who believe in frugality. Great. Cool. So this is what gratitude can bring you. But if you've done that in a small group setting, and you've used that to find really deep, meaningful connection with others, then you can have the hard chats. Yeah. Then you can have the chats of, hmm... Now, the next time you get together with these people, maybe ask them this gratitude question, but put a spin on it. If you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to that hurt you, who would yeah. that be? So what oftentimes happens is people will come up to you and say, what's your biggest fear? What's, what's your biggest failure? What's your greatest regret? And you clam up inside. You're like, I don't trust you well enough for that. <laughs> But gratitude creates what we call third-party vulnerability. I'm giving you the space 
to tell a story about someone I'll likely never meet. Yeah. The way you talk about them tells me more about your life than 10 years of asking you the question, what's your biggest fear? What's your biggest failure? What's your greatest regret? It's that strength of weak tie. Yeah. I love that, man. That's amazing. Dude, Chris, I feel like we could talk about gratitude for for hours, but I do want to ask a little bit about you personally because I yeah. think there's a, lot of people, there's a lot of people listening that are like, who is this guy? He's amazing. <laughs> um, I, I, I agree. He's pretty damn awesome. Um, Chris, like you, you're, you're just a very unique person. Obviously you build great relationships. You've accomplished a lot in your life. Like you, like you mentioned, you may have your name tied to a hand, handful of things, some Tonys, some Emmys, some Grammys, <laughs> uh, things like that. But I'm curious cause you've, you've also been one of those people that I, I, I don't, I think you use the term maven, but, um, you build such strong relationships with people and it's so important to you. Like, is there anything that you do differently than other people that causes you to build these relationships besides the vulnerability and the gratitude? It, like, and you, like you were telling me like in the beginning of this podcast, you were telling me who I was sitting next to during that, t- that <laughs> event that we had. I don't remember who I was sitting next to. Like, <laughs> how do you do that? <laughs> Bradley Buzil, Marcus and Millichap, commercial real estate. No, I believe um, you. I believe you, but I don't remember that. <laughs> what What do I do? My greatest insecurity growing up. Oh, I grew up well. I grew up on a nice island with a good family and a good home with good friends. But my greatest insecurity was that I was always the last one called to the party. That my mm. invite was always somehow lost in the mail. Yeah. That fear of abandonment, that fear of missing out, that, hey, mom, can you drive me to Thomas and Paul's house? Well, by the time I got there, everybody had already eaten the pizza and played the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember that. And I never want to get over that. I Mm. want to make it part of my story. The, The way I connect with people is with such hunger and ferocity to never let anybody feel that pain that I felt ever again, especially not on my watch. And so the empathy that I show when connecting with others is because I'm constantly thinking about the pain. Oh, I still don't get invited to the party. I mean, that's the whole thing we call a catalyst dilemma. When you're known as one of the most well-connected people, you're often the first to be forgotten about because they assume you're being Every, taken Everybody care assumes of. you're already exactly. taken care of. Yeah. But so, so I connect with that ferocity because I know what the opposite side feels like. Yeah. But here's something I'll reference when talking mm-hmm. about gratitude and then talking about my ability to connect with others. I'll say a simple sentence and then I'll explain it. Not all gratitude given is gratitude heard. I love that. There is a selfish, lazy way of giving gratitude. And that's to give gratitude in the language that's most convenient for you to give it. Yeah. Gary it's like a Chap- gra- gratitude love languages? Is that what we're talking yep. about right now? Gary Chapman wrote a great book 
called the five love languages. Yeah. What are the What are those five love languages, Xander? Oh man, uh, time, gift. What, what are the acts of service? Uh, words of is it words of gratitude? So words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. That's what quality it is. time. Quality time. Acts of service. Physical touch. Physical touch. Gifts. Gifts. That's what it is. Right? Can you tell? Which, can you tell which one's not my love language? <laughs> I guess foreplay. Um, <laughs> oh man! Sorry, Maddie. Um, <laughs> it's, um, no, it. Not all gratitude given is gratitude heard. Means if I prefer to at the click of a button send you a gift. Yeah, but your love language is not receiving gifts; it's quality time. Then that gratitude is just completely wasted. Yeah. Then it becomes some obligatory, non-empathetic, "thank you for your service" type of gratitude. Yeah. Right. But it, it almost it almost seems like it could actually create resentment for the person yep. giving gratitude, and then it's not yep. being received. It it creates resentment indebtedness yeah so you've received something but you fucking hate what you received (laughs) yeah (laughs) so you resent it in the whole so anyways why we are committed to that is that we try to ask everybody around us what's your love language because if i want to love on you xander and your love language is quality time I'm going to spend a thousand bucks to come out and stay with you for a week or whatever. And I'm going to spend some quality time and we're going to do some acts of service together. We're going to go serve the community. That will be much more valuable, but harder than getting my team to look you up and put your life story in a thousand dollar mug. Yeah. What's easy for you is not what's best for others. I love that. And that's how I love on people. And I got great mentors in the space. You would love my buddy, my mentor, John Rulin. He runs a group called Giftology. You got to have him on your podcast. He's the king of kings. Constantly top-ranked EO and YPO speaker. He helps companies give the strategic gift of gratitude to their VIP clients and partners. I do it through experiences. He does it through gifts. But the way he loves on people is ridiculous. I love that. That's amazing. Did I ever send you like a set of knives? Or did I ever send you like... No, it would have no, been through him. Anyways. But I've, <laughs> but I've, I've gotten knives before. <laughs> he, he's the number one Cutco salesman in company history. There we go. He's good at giving gifts. Anyways. I bet. So, so that, that's what... You know... It, I'll be honest, Xander, and and for the people that are listening, they're probably like, "Who's this guy who doesn't know shit about fuck?" Right? But <laughs> I'm 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 gonna do a little subtle brag for a sec. Our clients mostly billionaires. Yeah, I'm not beating around the bush. Billionaires, so much so that if it's late at night and I got something to get off my chest. And I'm, I'm riding down the road with someone on my team. And we look at my speed dial and I pick up someone to get a good answer. I'm likely calling a billionaire. Now, why the fuck would a billionaire want to spend time with Chris? 
because we are giving them something that they can't buy. Yeah. When you're looking at your relationships, you think about what is something that's so easy for them to get? How do I give them the polar opposite? Any billionaire can get a fancy steak dinner in the back room of a restaurant with the fanciest china and the hottest spot in town. You know what they come to us for? Because I boss them around, and I put them in the kitchen, and I put them on trash duty. Swear to God. <laughs> that's connection. That's service. That's, that's a servant's mindset. That's servant leadership. That's humility. That's what gratitude does is it lowers the ego. It levels the hierarchy. And it helps you serve the people that you need to serve. And that and that moment that you're giving to billionaires is what allows them to finally feel connected again. Yep. Yep. Right. Their humanity it, is restored. Yep. That's it. That's it. I love that. Dude, what do you, Chris, you like, there's so much more that's coming for you in this life. And I'm so <laughs> excited for it because you talk about being an old, you know, an old Broadway guy, but dude, like we're the same age. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, like what would you define success in life for you as mm. knowing my self-worth and value yeah and i struggle with that it's so weird it's, a, it's you've, a process you've heard the people in this call have heard humble chris and they've heard ego chris all in one call and i constantly devalue chris yeah and it's something that I work on on a daily basis. And that would be what success would look like, is the bravery and courage to speak my worth, to communicate my truth, my soul, to have those hard relationships with the people that I need, uh, the hard conversations with the people that I need to have the hard conversations with, to ask for what I authentically want so that I don't harbor resentment and guilt and shame inside my soul. And oh, by the way, to, to, to be confident knowing that, that, uh, I'm commanding top dog things yeah. at every turn. you know, success looks like not feeling imposter syndrome. Yeah. Right, the the downside of having friends who have a hundred thousand employees, the downside of that is always trying to measure up. Yeah. So I need to figure. I need to do the work on myself, which I do. Reiki. I go to dominatrixes. I got hypnotherapists. All these kind of things. I got to do the hard work myself. But it's you know it's a work in progress. Success would look like. Never waking up a single day and pretending like my life is good or perfect. Mm. I right? like that. I, I started this call by saying I'm the guy who cuts. I'm the guy who lashes out to those I love. That's the human side of Chris, and I would never wish that away. I love that, man. I think uh, I think we got to end this call on on that one, dude. That was that was strong. That was powerful, Chris. What's what's on the horizon for you for Seven Forty Seven Club? Where can people learn more about you? You know what? If you are listening to this, and you are hungry, tired, lonely, unfulfilled, disconnected, insecure, reach out. One of the benefits that we've been able to do through COVID is when we transition part of our company to virtual 
is we get to host these virtual gratitude experiences for our friends, for our family, and we do them on a you know like a monthly basis or something. So so reach out. They can email info at seven forty seven club dot org, and uh, we'll 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 pull you into the the fold and uh, and serve you well and connect you to our community and get a little meaning and connection and purpose. But you know what's ahead for me? I'm looking forward to coming out to San Diego in the fall and doing a dinner with Xander Fryer and his merry group of pranksters. And having a hell of hell of a reunion. I love it, man. I love it. And and just to kind of uh, you know carry on that, I will tell you right now what Chris does is uh, unlike anything that you've ever seen. So definitely go to seven forty seven club dot org. Check him out. Uh, join in on this. Like I mentioned, it'll be life changing. It'll be transformational. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for the time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, and for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans out there, if you've gotten any value from our podcast, don't forget to go to sidlickbook.com. That's S-Y-D-L-I-C book.com to opt in and be notified when our pre-sale for shit you don't learn in college book opens up August 23rd. It'll be an absolute game changer for, for everyone who wants to buy the book during the pre-sale. We're going to be giving away over $3,000 in bonus trainings to each person. So you'll want to head over to sidlickbook.com and check it out now. Chris. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you, buddy. All right. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton. <laughs>